What's going on, everybody? Glenn P. Brooks Jr. here. I'm an author, I'm a speaker, and I'm a coach. And I want to welcome you to We All Need Some Help Wednesday, the podcast. I get the opportunity to add value to entrepreneurs, business owners, and ministry leaders, both on and offline. And this episode is going to be no different. Stick around, and we're going to get started right now. Well, we'd like to welcome you guys back to another edition of We All Need Some Help Wednesday, the podcast. I'm Glenn P. Brooks Jr., and I'm super excited to be back at the microphones with you guys one more time. A couple of months ago, um, I had a chance to run into this person on Clubhouse, and uh, it, it's always amazing to me how I, how the kind of impression I get of people when they show up. And uh, when you go to research them, the question is, is that consistent? And I can promise you, this dude is all of the things that he says he is and that much more. For those of you guys who are just tuning into the podcast, what you know about uh, this podcast is is that uh, we are absolutely here every week to be able to drop information that can help entrepreneurs, business owners, and ministry leaders really kind of get out of their own way. And one of the ways that I do that is by introducing you guys to people, their stories that are behind their brand. Uh, that's the name of the day's feature. And uh, I just want to let you guys know that in a blog post on HuffPost.com, contributing writer Flynn Coleman asks this question. He says, why are stories so powerful? Well, the truth of the matter is that they are more memorable than facts. Our brains are actually wired to respond to stories. Metaphors and anecdotes help us to relate ideas to our own experiences, providing richness and texture. Stories actually bring you and your listeners into a multidimensional world full of colors, sights, smells, and emotions, making us feel as though we're actually living the story. And today will be no different. I, I want to take a journey behind the brand of this brother. His name's Daryl Fun, F-U-N-N is his real last name, uh, a.k.a. Mr. Fun. And uh, welcome to We All Need Some Help Wednesday, the podcast, my friends. Good to have you. It is, it is a pleasure, a pleasure to be here and and be with you all. Like I said, I've been super excited about this. Um, so I'm one of those people who... This is going to be an experience. I'm just letting you all know. And those of you who didn't join, man, your friend's going to be telling you about it like, yo, you should have been there to see what's going on. So I love it. I love it. Daryl, real quick before we get into the experience, because here's what we know about you, that when people meet you, they meet an experience, right? And so I want you to kind of give people a little bit of a backdrop, and then we're going to kind of start this and you got a unique way that you're going to kind of talk a little bit with us. Can we give people sort of the background to who you are, what you do, why you do it, how growing up informed how you show up today? What, what, what were some of the influences and things like that? So talk to us and then let's, let's, let's bring it up to modern day in terms of the story behind your brand. Got you. Um, you know, it's one of those things where it's very interesting. Like most of us, we were probably either born to a single parent in, in, in types of situations where things happen. And so my mom had me when she was 16. So we kind of grew up together and I kind of learned things from her. Um, you know, her mother was super strict on her, so she didn't want to be as strict on me. She wanted me to explore life. So she exposed me to a lot of things. And in that process, you know, that creative bug just kind of blossomed. And I always wanted to learn new information. My uh, 
grandmother would always tell you the first song I ever started dancing to was a song by Don Ho called Tiny Bubbles. So, tiny bubbles in the wine makes me happy, makes me feel fine. And so that like stuck with me. And every time she would see me, she would always say tiny bubbles. And it was like our little thing. So that experience is something that, you know, kind of grew with me. And it was throughout that life experience of just being in that close knit relationship. My mother, my sister was born five years later. And so it was just the three of us. And then the three of us being who we were, we went to the zoo, we went to museums, we went all over the place, saw so many different things. But then I realized at the age of three, I had some ability to draw pictures. I did draw on the walls, which children don't do that. Parents don't like when you draw on the walls. No, don't do that. So, um, but my mom wanted me to explore that. So I got into different camps and different clubs around the city of Baltimore, you know, and I'm, if you Baltimore bred, you understand you like the hustle without the hassle all the way. So at age 12, I got my first job. It was getting paid under the table because I was working in an establishment that I should not have been working in. But hey, you know, that's the redemptive story that God gives us. That's how life works. Um, and moving forward, let's see, I, I went to school and I got in trouble like one really good time. My mama beat my butt so bad that the principal and the security guard came around to the bathroom. They, caught, they thought a fight had broken out. And like, I was, yeah, when they saw my mama come out with me and saw me holding half of my butt in my hand, I was walking out. It was like, they walked the other way. And I was like, wait, y'all don't understand. A felony just happened in this bathroom right here. They just walked away. And I was like, well, I realized that I ain't gonna get no help. So I better not ever get in trouble ever again. So I did. And then of course, I went to the amazing, the Baltimore City College, which is the greatest high school ever in existence. And what made it so great were the teachers. The teachers really poured into us. They challenged us to think outside the box. One of my favorite teachers, God rest his soul, is Mr. Henderson. He put his phone number up on the board. He said, there's no reason why you should fail trigonometry. And I was like, okay. But he would also say stuff like, time will pass. The question is, will you? Scared the life out of most of us. Yeah, because we didn't know. Um, but I also had art teachers who saw my natural gift and told me that I couldn't take their classes because I was naturally gifted. And I was like, but I want to learn the techniques. I want to learn how to do things. I'm just figuring this stuff out. It wasn't until college that I actually got the techniques and then put them with my natural gifting and turned it into something. Moving it forward, you know, I... I'm, one, I'm the one black person that can't play basketball. So don't ever ask me to play basketball ever in life. Oh, so you want, there we go. Okay, good, good, good. I can draw pictures. And girls, girls like when you can draw pictures because their lockers need to be decorated and stuff and everything. So I was drawing pictures. And again, that hustle mentality. Yeah, you need a picture of a, you need a picture of a Smurf. You want it in color, you want it in black and white. It's $2 for black and white, $5 for the color. You know, now I'm doing it on line paper. So I'm making money hand over fist, you know, doing all the different things. But it kind of gave me that business acumen, you know, and then learning how to, um, to write. County Cullen and Langston Hughes are like two of my first introductions to literature. And so going from that perspective, 
I kind of ventured into the world of poetry and all of those things came together. I realized that I had a story to tell and people liked to hear it. And then I started entering competitions and I got better and better meeting different people. I actually had the, the wonderful opportunity to go to the continent of Africa and just to show how God works in experiences. Y'all going to trip when y'all hear this on the flight back, they ran out of seats in coach. So for 14 hours, I had to sit in first class. Yeah, I know I had to suffer sitting right next to the president of Ghana Airways, who was coming to Atlanta to set up direct flights. When I tell you, I was sitting there, I was like, I said, okay, God, I understand you telling me for real, for real, like this, this is the life I'm gonna be living. Okay, okay, I'm with it, I'm with it 100%, you know what I'm saying? I, I don't fly coach. I fly first class. I'm sorry. I want to sit next to presidents and people who's coming up to set up big deals. And he started talking to me. So I'm sitting there like, you know, I'm not pretending to be nobody because I'm a kid from Baltimore who don't know jack squat about nothing. I just had a two week experience in Liberia and in Ghana. And I was like blown away. And now I'm sitting next to the president of Ghana Airways, finding out what he's doing, gathering all that information. So it humbled me even when I started talking to people. It's like, I always try to make sure that I listen to their stories and I try to make sure that they feel like they're there. They're the only person that matters in that space. And I just constantly am hungry to learn. I've always wanted to teach. This year, after all the things that I've done, I am officially a high school teacher. And when I tell you, I wake up every morning super excited to be in the classroom. Like, it is such a wonderful thing. And I talked to my old principal, and he's like, yeah, you're, you're totally built for this. And my old English teacher, he's like, I'm so proud of you. All my teachers are like, yeah, I totally see you doing this now. So the fact, and I tell them, I say, I'm taking everything that you guys poured into me, and I'm pouring it into my students. You know, the very first day of school, I told the students, I said, what is it that you expect from me? I asked them that. They had never been asked that before. I said, what's going to make you successful? And they said, give us the uh, assignments ahead of time. So in their portal, I put all of the assignments with all the instructions, how to do it, examples, everything that they need. I said, there's no reason why you should fail this class. And so they, and we do a reflection once a month. What you do is you write it anonymously. Tell me what you like, what you didn't like, what can I change? Because as a business, as a teacher, I am implored by them to say, all right, how can I make this experience better? So I try to put it in that perspective. But I'm also like a big goofball. I'm a giant four-year-old. So when I come in the classroom, they be like, Mr. Fowler, what are we doing today? They get to draw on the tables. They get to play with puppets. Get to do all kinds of things. So I love it. I love it. For those of you guys who are just tuning in, maybe you just hopped in the car and you listen to this podcast and you wonder, who is this guy? His name is Daryl Mr. Fun. And uh, I promise you right now, one of the things that I want, and and, and D, we got to get you kind of tuned up and, and ready to go. You have a thing that you talk about lasting experiences versus impression. Give us a little taste of what that's like and let's rock. Boom, let's rock. All right. It started when I was young. You see, this love between you and I, it took one taste and man, I was sprung. Now it's better when you're hot and wet, but that first time I had you raw, back then it just meant, wait, 
I was poor. You see, ramen noodles have been good to us all. And I know you may be thinking, dude, you are so wrong. Or man, you kind of right. But I know many of you are like, oh my goodness. Those ramen noodle nights. But I'm no economic whiz, but I'm sure that once or twice before you were 30 cents away from having a quarter and the only thing left in the house was hot water. You would pillage and plunge for a speck or a crumb just to find those last two packs of shrimp and oriental flavored holiness. And everyone's been there baptizing those dry noodle blocks in that one pot we cook everything in. You add those seasoned packets before the noodles. Now that pot looks more like a cauldron. It's magic. Tragic we don't know what they're made of. But we all got stories of how good them noodles was. You heard stories of how God part of the sea. How Jesus fed thousands with two biscuits and a five piece. You've even seen your mother make an entire chicken last a whole week. Now it's some holy word of miracle that showed us how to turn this one course meal into three. Now don't get me started. We add some hot dogs and cheese to get real fancy with the mushrooms and green peppers. Please, Mexican casserole. Add a little bit of ground beef and salsa under a low heat. I bet you everybody out there got their own ramen noodle recipes. They got ebooks now on 101 ways to eat them raw. I thought you only did that when your water was turned off but i thought i had seen it all but in eighth grade micah fetz ate his noodles without the juice now most of my white friends are crazy but this was just more proof the thought of noodles not swimming in an ocean of sodium and them little green things were just plain nasty he had the same reaction when he saw the way that i ate mine but he decided to ask me did why eat your noodles like that don't you realize without the juice those noodles they can get all nice and fat here it is y'all my morning son, it's time to educate the white man on the way black things are done. Like I was the great nephew of Aunt Mama and Uncle Ben's, I opened my mouth and I began. Yo, son, cuz he's straight like that. Okay, so this was it. I have a dream. This was the eighth grade, and the delicate social order hinged on the fact that ramen noodle consumption is specific to each race, but I have to admit that I've grown and I've traveled the world, and once y'all, guess what? I actually tried them plain, and the only way to describe this taste is I'm god-awfully nasty. But I digress. Confess that we all come together and agree that it's true that ramen noodles has been one of the greatest survival tools. Now, I'm not saying it's key to salvation and perfect peace, but if they don't have those oodles and noodles on the highway to heaven, I bet you the Walmarts in hell will have them real cheap. And that's that poem right there. Okay. Yo. Yo. Let me ask y'all a question really quickly. Uh, for those of you listening, if you're listening to us live by way of Clubhouse, how is this experience making you feel? Can you imagine this being your high school teacher? Like, how do you believe that the experience matters, right? I want you to put that in the chat. For those of you guys who are listening by way of the podcast, let us know. Because I think that, there are one of the challenges, and I'd like you to speak to this, is being able to connect. I've always... And I've had the opportunity to go in and do staff development for different educational organizations. And one of the biggest challenges is being able to legitimately connect. There are a lot of people who understand the fundamentals of teaching. They can teach you one plus one is two or the woes of trigonometry. But what they can't do is they can't connect if you paid them. Can you talk to us a little bit about maybe some uh, practical ways that you can really, really show up and connect. And how do you do that in the classroom? It's, it's really it's really this thing. And it kind of goes back to what we're talking about, the experience versus the impression. Impressions leave a dent. And that's not what you want. You know, an experience is a connection. Just like in that poem that you just heard. I know some of y'all were laughing. Y'all was like, man, I just, I was thinking about them oodles and noodles, man. I was, oh my goodness. Like, I didn't even realize there's a whole lot of sodium in them. But 
the thing was, it connected you to a point in time in your life and it just made you recollect and it made you smile and made you feel something. One of the greatest um, teaching messages that I've ever heard was the reason why children are afraid of men is because men are afraid to get on their knees and come down to their level. But if you take that and apply it to everything, come down to whatever level somebody's on, they don't care what you got. Why is it that the Mormons do what they do? Because they service the need first and then give you who they are. So my thing is, I, I know I got the knowledge. I know I can teach you. But my thing is, if you're not receptive and ready to hear it, you're not going to want it. So I had to make them ready, make them excited and be like, what this dude going to do? Listen, let me say this, man. I, I again, I, I can't imagine walking into a high school class and, and, and you're my teacher. I'm like, I'm never leaving class for all of us creatives who have been in a space where, you know, our creativity is what drives us. Um, there, if you could speak to never giving up. And I, I, as I watch you evolve and I listen to your story and I've done my research, how you're ending up is not how you started, but right. how you started informs how you're ending up. So if yeah. you can help people really get encouraged and connected with the idea that those gifts in you are not random. They're designed for a specific end. And, and if you stay connected to it, it, it'll take you to where you need to go. Come on, talk to us about that. The, the, the exciting thing about that is um, I've, I've taught for roughly about 20 years, you know, and I've taught children's ministry. I've led children's ministry. And it's one of those things where his was the experience. My first time I finished my new members classes. I went up to one of the ministers. I was like, hey, I'm finished my new members class. Where you want me? He took me, took me over in children's ministry, left me there, did not say a word, walked away. Like, that's exactly what happened. And so in that, I, you know, God put it in him to put me there and I flourished in that experience. And the thing was, I knew I always wanted to be a teacher, but my downfall is I suck at test. I know the information, but because I'm a creative, I don't think in that like test format because I'm looking at it just doing designs and stuff. You know, I'm not thinking numbers and circling bubbles. So the, the greatest part about everything that I've done throughout my life, starting drawing at the age of three, getting my degree in multimedia and web design. And here's something that a lot of people don't know. I got my license to be a nurse in 94. I got my license to do nails in 96 because in Baltimore, there's always going to be sick people. And if you could do nails, you're always going to make money hand over fist. So again, that always hustle, never hassle mentality. I want money. I want to make my own impression in the world. So those were the things, and I never gave up. And then the opportunity presented itself. Here it is. I am 50 years old, and I am teaching. And it's not about the money. Although the money does look a little nice, you know what I'm saying, because I got my experience and everything. I ain't even going front. It does look good. But the thing is that the opportunity presented itself in such a way that I wasn't even, like, I walked into it. It was like, hey, well, you know, such and such is about to leave. We would love to have you here. Really? And so I went through the process and I didn't have to take any test. I just had to show that number one, I have a degree in the field that I had to do the interview process. I had to give a mock lesson and even my mock lesson, they didn't see that. They said, if you have a student who is struggling, 
how are you going to get them? She's like, you're going to have the good ones. How are you going to get that one that's lost? And what I did was I took a simple marker and I put the word boy on the board and I turned it into a boy. And I said, have you ever seen this before? It was like, no, I said, most students have. I said, but I took that exact same word and I turned it into a boy where it was just like, wow, you took the same word. I said, that's the difference. I'm going to start them here at one place, but then they're all going to be at this place where they're going to be able to think outside the box, think differently, you know, and it's all because nobody ever gave up on me and I can't give up on them. Ladies and gentlemen, his name is Daryl, a.k.a. Mr. Fun. He's a school teacher. He's a creative. He's a poet. He does all the things, but more importantly, he's a connector. And I just want to say thanks, man. Thanks for all of what you've done. I just want to say publicly how much I appreciate you thinking about me having heard it was my birthday. And you sent me a little tribute that you did to the city we both grew up in. And I can tell you, when I took a trip down memory lane, just watching that clip, bruh, it changed everything. And so kudos to you and the difference that you're making in your students. And uh, thanks for saying yes and coming to the podcast. How can people get in touch with you? Are you doing poetry? Are you able to show up? Do you do slams? Like, like how are people able to get in touch with you, Daryl? Come on, talk to us. Well, I'm so glad that you asked that question, Coach Glenn. I'm glad that everybody wants to know. Hi, I'm Mr. Fun. That's M-I-S-T-A-F-U-N-N, all one word, all on social platforms. Maybe you have an Atari 2600. Maybe you have that old black and white TV at M-I-S-T-A-F-U-N-N. That's me all over the place. You can follow me, friend me, like me. You can go to my website, MrFun.com. You can find me there. Um, yes, I'm always doing poetry. Um, I do coach slams. Um, I actually brought the National Poetry Slam to the city of Decatur in 2016, which had, um, what was it, 500 poets from across the country competing here. Um, and so now I am the two-time haiku slam champion. So just so people know, you don't want to smoke with me. And Barbara already understands. She wasn't ready for it. Um, but yeah, so I do host an open mic that is uh, every fourth Thursday at Urban Grind, which is a Black-owned coffee shop in Atlanta. But if you reach out to me, if there's ever anything that you want to know, I love to share the knowledge that I have. I have published four books of my own. I've actually published 13 others. Um, just for people who wanted to get them out there. And people, I tell you, do not reach out to me unless you want to be successful because my goal is to make sure that you are successful. So, I love it, sir. Thanks, man. I appreciate you for pulling up. I can't wait to uh, to get this story out to the masses when we upload it. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, Daryl, a.k.a. Mr. Fun, Mr. with an A, not an E-R. Let's get it. I appreciate you guys for tuning in to another edition of We All Need Some Help Wednesday, the podcast. I'm Glenn P. Brooks Jr., and we'll be back next week with another edition. Always remember that no matter who you are, where you are, what you're trying to do, you cannot get to any place of significance by yourself because we all need some help. We'll catch you guys next week. Well, I'd like to thank you guys for joining us once again for another edition of We All Need Some Help Wednesday, the podcast. Uh, be sure to download this, and if you need to connect to us any kind of way, uh, you can reach us at www.glennpbrooksjr.com. At the end of the day, y'all already know what time it is. You cannot get to any place of significance by yourself because we all need some help. Y'all be good, and we'll talk soon.